Welcome to the 162nd episode of the Young Turfs podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we have a Toddcast. Todd Carton joins us to discuss the state of Maryland athletics and really give us a rundown of, of what we're looking at with the non-revs, you know, whether we're going to have to cut sports or not and, and where what the future holds for Maryland athletics. And it's a really good discussion. Yes, it is. It is a healthy one to have as we are, let's be real, we're, fa- we're facing some tough choices as, as sports fans around right now, and college athletics is maybe the hardest hit to place of any sport at the moment. Yeah, it is, a- and right now, you know, we don't really know what the future holds, but we tried to give you a good outlook on that with Todd. We also give you all of your Terps news on the Terrapin Rundown, and before we get into that, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by a local Maryland business, and that, of course, is Allied Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs, call Allied, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today. Contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Supporting a Maryland-owned small business is more important than ever in these times, and Allied hopefully will get back going here as things open up. Yeah, things are looking to open up, and it's been it's been a one heck of a week around the country, Mason, but thankfully we always got sports to distract us. Well, in this case, we don't, but let's try and give you give you some good news around the Terps and starting off with the women's basketball. The Lady Terps have signed 2020 guard. I'm not really going to attempt I, to say the name here, Jordan, I, are you? I'll, I'll go for it. I believe it's Tazia Koslov. Yeah, and that is a native of Moscow, Russia. Uh, Ty, as she's known, played high school ball at Elevation Prep Academy in, down in Florida. Yeah, and she played fairly well her senior season, if I remember correctly. Uh, we didn't write it down here, but I think she averaged 13 points and 5 assists in her senior season. Uh, Terps just need to add some depth after a – I mean, that's every basketball program these days, but some departures kind of threw off the scheduled look. But on the whole, I mean, Angel Reese still coming in next season. Almost no matter what happened here, Maryland basketball had a great recruiting class on the women's side. Yes, yes, they did. Now on to some women's lacrosse news. Uh, Terps alumni – Midfielder Laura Harmon Schulman is heading to the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame as part of the 2020 class. The Pennsylvania native played from 1992 to 1995 and earned 150 goals and 184 points over the course of her career. These are both still top 20 overall in goals and points in program history. She helped lead the Terps to a national championship in 1992 and 95 uh, on the lacrosse field and took part in the 1993 Field Hockey National Championship. Yeah, How was that, Jordan? I'm not entirely sure, but I guess that was when it was easier to sport it back in the 90s. But regardless, still an accomplished career, and always great to see any Terp alum do good things and get recognized for those achievements. On the men's lacrosse side, we've got a bit of an interesting story here. Uh, Jared Bernhardt, Terp's uh, lacrosse player, hopes to be playing football next season at the D2 level at uh, Powerhouse Ferris State up in Michigan. But he also hopes to return to the lacrosse field at Maryland. Yeah, and this story broke, and this, to be very clear, broke on Terp Talk 
on Wednesday night, not inside Maryland Sports, because they said that they broke the story, which they didn't. And, um, yeah, John Tillman saying that it's not a done deal for Jared Bernhardt, as was reported on by U.S., I believe, U.S. Lax Magazine and uh, Inside Lacrosse. Uh, there's no real definite plans for Jared at this point. You know, there's still the whole thing of D2 football is going to be played. If not, he's just going to stay at Maryland. If it is, he hopes to go out to uh, Ferris State and then return to Maryland to play lacrosse as a graduate student. So this one kind of up in the air. Yeah, and if he managed to pull that off, and of course there's tons of variables out there, there would be tons of variables even if there wasn't a virus going all around. But this is going to be interesting to see what how it plays out. Um Here's a little football note before we dive into some more stuff, especially in the football uh, gridiron. J.C. Jackson, the ex-Trip cornerback, earned the best pro football focus rank for passer rating when targeted last season by almost 10 points. It was like something like 37. Uh, I don't know how to quantify um, quarterback. I guess 37 rating when targeted. But J.C. Jackson, as Mason has really thumped, is one of the most underrated players in football. Yeah, he really is, and and this just shows how bad Maryland's pass rush really was uh, when J.C. and Darnell Savage were actually in the defensive backfield for the Terps, along with Tino Ellis and, and others that have made it into the pros. Um, yeah, pass rush really changed the game for J.C. Jackson. Just being in that Patriots environment, I think, has done great things for him. And, yeah, he's one of the most underrated players in football. Voluntary workouts resume across the nation for D1 football and men's basketball. Several Big Ten schools are aiming to begin working out in small groups over uh, the next coming weeks. However, the NCAA extended its recruiting dead period through July 31st. Uh, that's big for summer recruiting, and, you know, I'm not even going to debate this one. It could be positive, could be negative for the Terps football team. Who knows? Now on to some more football news. Former Terps defensive tackle Adam McClain will leave Shepard for Bowie State, so he'll finish out his career there. Uh, with the Bowie State Bulldogs along with, is it Raymond Boone that also plays there, former Terp? If that is the case, I did not know that, actually. Um, on the uh, other movement front for football, former edge rusher Bryce Brand, after a lengthy recruiting process, is landing with the Mountaineers of WVU. So staying kind of, in, I guess, in the area as much as you can, really, in this case. Yeah, and I think this is a great move for Bryce. Uh, he really wasn't, he didn't fit the scheme anymore for the Terps. Uh, you're looking at about a guy that's 5'10 that plays d defensive edge or defensive end if you are into, like, the video game positions. Uh, not not a great spot for the Big Ten. It, it should fare better, I think, in the Big 12, just a more speed-based kind of defensive packages, uh, smaller offensive linemen. Just, uh, the Big Ten really, I don't think, was the right fit for Bryce, but he did get a lot of time in at Maryland just as the coaching staffs changed. I think that he was more or less phased out. Um, and I'd also like to revisit the workouts resuming in D1 football and basketball. First off, I think it's a little bit, it's bold NCAA to just make it those two sports, but it also highlights the importance of those two that I think everybody recognizes. You can't get around it anymore. Um, this is a huge step to returning for the football field in time, though. Like, yeah, I think it is. And and back to what you said, you know, all these people, and it's not, it's not only sports, but I'll use it as an example because we are really a Maryland-centric sports podcast. We don't really talk about much else. Uh, it, it, this is evident of a lot of things that we're seeing happening. You really get to see all these people that like to scream and shout that their sport's the most important. Well, it's it's time to face the music, and I think this one put it quite clearly. What allows all these other sports to play is football and men's basketball. 
And I think that that's about as clear cut as possible at this point, because everybody, as we get to a Todd, is facing this financial ruin because there was no NCAA March Madness and there might not be football. Those two things are a kill shot, a one singular kill shot to college athletics. Oh, it's two so, things. It's two kill shots. Well, it's one combined because if one of them happened and the other one played, it would be fine. They're probably true. No, that is, that is true. Uh, uh, we're there will the, be minimal. We're, we're getting into the weeds here. We might as well go for there it. There will be minimal um, impact compared to if there's not both. That's not true, though. For a lot of schools, it's not true because March Madness for most schools is the biggest revenue generator. Again, for most, not everyone, but for most. Because especially since over half D1 schools don't play football. So March Madness is your biggest revenue generator at that point. And for a lot of schools, like even my school, North Carolina State, that's a huge thing because if you're playing in March Madness, that's more revenue than football season brings in at the SCS level. It just is. March Madness is such a moneymaker. And I know a lot of people say football is important, and I'm not saying it's not. It's Most schools is the most – not most, but most of the major ones it's the most important sport. No, it is the most important sport. It's not the most important moneymaker. Okay, fine. I'll take that. But that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about making money and keeping sports going. And March Madness – Brings in $2 billion to NCAA every year. You can't replicate that without a similar event with similar hype, and that's the only thing that keeps a lot of athletic departments afloat, and that's why it's such a big problem that's not here. Yeah, and then you go into the fact that the NCAA doesn't own – the NCAA champion is technically North Dakota State. It's not It's not um, LSU. Yeah, which is also They don't true. own the college football playoff at all. No, they don't. But, but the P5 and G5 schools get money from that still. Yeah, they do. They do, but it's not the same. No, it's not. So keep going here. Everyone's going to start to see, again, what sports are most important. Uh, some positive news comes out of the Terps football program. Maryland football's Ellis McKinney announced he'll be studying law at George Washington. He also did an interview with the Shell and Tell podcast that I believe is on their YouTube channel. You can check Twitter for that. Yeah, um, that's. I mean, that's, that's one of those things. Like, football is good, and it's great to see football players get stuff done. But most of our players aren't going to make it to NFL. And, hey, Ellis McKinney is a very smart person, and I think he's going to do great things in this world. Yeah, he's a, really, he's a leader, and he's, he's a stand-up guy, and, and I think everyone saw that, uh, the way that he led Maryland through the Jordan McNair situation. The Terps landed a Juco transfer, running back another name that I'm really – I don't think I'm going to attempt this one. I'll, I'll give it a crack. Uh, I'm going to say Shalin Fatimatu. We'll call him CF. Yeah, let, let's call him that. And, again, we apologize for, for mispronouncing that name. He's a native of Honolulu, Hawaii. The Terps – uh, commitment of Talia Tungavailoa, a longtime friend of CF, played a key role in his choice. He was an All-State running back back in two, 2017 uh, before deciding to play Juco ball down in Arizona and then in Coffeyville in Kansas, which is a pretty well-known uh, Juco if you follow that kind of world. He will join Tayon Fleet Davis and Jake Funk in a trio of freshman backs at his junior season with in College Park. Yeah, and... Uh... Like, as Mason pointed out, when we landed CF here, we just need bodies to running back right now. Yeah, and I think they want players that have played college football games. You know, whether that's Juco or, you know, they picked up a transfer from Michigan. I can't remember his name. They're looking for players there. And, and frankly, we've had a lot of in injury at the running back position over these last few seasons. And really, when you look at it, Fleet and Funk combined is a star running back. But Fleet and Funk separate is a half-average backfield. You know, Jake Funk hasn't been able to play a full season in a while. Uh, Fleet Davis obviously had the off-the-field issues last year. Uh, the Terps might end up looking a lot to Isaiah Jacobs and Penny Boone. This guy 
just adding another body in there that's played a game, you know, add some experience into the room. Uh, the Terps snagged yet another highly coveted defensive line prospect. This time it's Tommy. I think we might have to do a trio here, Jordan. Tommy A. I guess we'll do Tommy A. Uh, out of Charles Herbert Flowers High School and DeMatha in PG County. Uh, I think he's a he's a great size player. He's got speed, lateral footwork. He actually started – he didn't play football his first year at Herbert Flowers. Instead, he only played basketball, so that's where a lot of the footwork comes from, a lot of the lateral speed. Uh, but he played in somewhat a weak division in high school. I'm not really knocking him. But still a top 150 rating from 247 and 342 in the composite. A very, very sought-after player, and the Terps landing yet another guy on the defensive line. Yeah, and this is a kid that a lot of people thought we'd grab, um, just the PG County connection. Maryland has a great relationship with PG County public schools, especially Locks, and I think it got flexed a little bit here. But I Well, yeah, and he played for Elijah Brooks. Oh, yeah, that's true. He was at the math when Elijah Brooks was there. I didn't even put it together in my head. Um, look... I don't know how – I think it's great that we're getting all this defensive line talent. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, what, top five out of six players on the 2021 class are defensive line prospects now. Um, but, like, I'm not – again, it's a great thing we have these guys. I'm still saying where's offensive line talent coming from because that was one of our biggest weaknesses last season. No, no, I disagree with that. I disagree with that for a lot of reasons, the first of which is there was a lot of injury up there last year. And, and frankly – they didn't have a competent quarterback. They couldn't complete a slant pass, which is the offense. The offense is a RPO slant pass. That's that's Oxley's main play. They had drops constantly. I mean, it was just bad. It, it was bad season, and and I do agree with that. They they need to go out and find some offensive linemen. They added some in the last class. They added some from JUCO, and, and other than that, they have a pretty strong, young, offensive line outlook. I mean, it, it's not bad. But then again, you look at everything. The lack of consistency of coaching at the offensive line had a huge effect on uh, on what had gone down last year. And it was just, there are tens and and there's a lot of issues up there. And, and sure, they need to be fixed. But when you look at this team, its biggest weakness was the defensive line. They have no pass rush. None. And it exposes everything wrong with their defensive backfield, which was just as bad last year. And suddenly, you're an absolute zero. I mean, we saw it with a team like the Jaguars in the NFL. If you get a defensive line that can play, you and your offense can win a lot of games by scoring 17 points and just not turning the ball over. That's a fair point. And just to correct ourselves here, five out of the top five prospects for the Terps are defensive linemen. So you know, I don't really agree with that, though. What? I think Antoine Littleton is 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 should be higher rated than uh, Zion Angelo Shockley. Oh, that's not. I really- mean, he. He had been for a long, long time. I don't see Antoine Littleton personally as a running back, just based on his build. I don't see how it's six. No, he's not a running back. Maryland's going to give him the opportunity to play running back. He's going to end up playing a linebacker. I would think so with his build. Um, Regardless, you'd think of at least four out of five of these kids, or maybe three out of five of these pan out and try to be as good as they're hoped to be, that we're getting somewhere on defense. Maybe Miles Jackson. Plays both. Yeah, throw him in there as like a fullback. Play him as a linebacker most of the time. That's possible, too. Um, and one more big chunk of news before we get to the Todd portion of our Toddcast here. So, Rose Smith Jr., the guards from St. Petersburg, Florida, has entered the transfer portal. This is something that I think a lot of people were speculating about, but it's still, you know, kind of 
really blows, to be honest. Yeah, it, it really does. And uh, let me be honest here. Sorrell, this is the right move for. I mean, you're looking at a guy that's a volume-scoring two-guard that's about 6'2". He doesn't fit Turgeon. He's never going to get the chance that he wants in Mark Turgeon's offense. The guy wants to shoot the basketball, and Mark Turgeon's playing him three minutes a game. I mean, you got to see it from his perspective, and I know a lot of people do. Right move for Sorrell. Bad position, again, for Maryland. And, and let's look at this. Let's be, let's be honest here. This basketball program is in the crapper right now. They have, they just don't have the bodies for this season. I mean, you're looking at a team now that I believe has nine scholarship players, ten if you count Jarius Hamilton. I don't because he hasn't gotten a waiver yet. This team's in trouble. Yeah, it is. This is the, if you count the Mitchell Twins, which you should, um, that's four players that left the program the last year. Four scholarship players at that. And I think that really, uh, I'm, I'm counting scholarships here. One. Well, Cowan's gone. This, yeah, there's a Trojan update yet. Never mind, we'll get to that later. Actually, never mind, we don't have to. So, eight. We have eight scholarship players next season. If you don't count Jarius Hamilton. Yeah, so I was off by one. I mean, let, let's just, this is awful. I mean, th you got to find, I guess, where the players are coming from. They miss on every big tra transfer. They miss. You know, they're missing on their own guys, apparently, and keeping them in this program. This is ridiculous. This team might still make the tournament just because it has a lot of talent in those eight guys. But you're starting to rely on guys that are just, we have no idea what to expect out of. Hakeem Hart is the one that comes to mind. And, Jordan, you're you're also off. Trace Ramsey also left the program in the last two years, whether said, you really want to count him or not. I said last year, but, yeah, that's also true. Well, he's playing D3 ball now, so I don't know how much we're going to count that. Um yeah, but let's let's get let's get focused here again. Sorrell Smith, I really liked personally. I thought he had um, some potential. I thought he was misused by Turgeon, personally speaking. I thought he should have seen more two guardish responsibilities. He didn't get the chance to shoot much. It seemed like he was a defensive player, and he was a good defensive player. He really was. I think he'll another player that if he finds the right coach, right system, he might thrive. But it's really just it's another hit to the guard depth of the team. You he really had a chance. I feel like and. Maybe we know. He, maybe something else happened because he left, and you would think minutes is a big part of this. But I felt like he could have gotten a lot of chance to play last next season. Yeah, and, and I I would agree with that. And and unfortunately, this program, at this point, I almost have no other idea about it than the fact that they mistreated their players. Well, mistreated is a strong word with some bad connotations. Mismanaged. Mismanaged is probably the better way to put that. Yeah. I mean, we've had three players that were expected to have big step-up roles now leave the team. Joshua Tomajic, Ricky forgot, Lindo. I forgot Tomajic. That would make it five players that left the program then. If you Mitchell Twins. Ricky Lindo and Sorrell Smith. I, I don't count the Mitchell Twins. That was a just terrible situation. I mean, Maryland put themselves in a bad spot there. Um, even taking those kids, to be honest, it was always rumored that this could happen. So I kind of count that as a scratch. Um, but with with these three guys, three guys that that are expected to step up in your program, expected to compete for near starting minutes, I mean, how can you have players so disgruntled that when they finally get their chance, they battle through all this time playing, you know, four or five minutes a game, that when they're supposed to get like 15, they all leave? What does that say about you as a program? 
What does that say about you as a head coach and as a, as a staff? Now, it either means that you're changing directions and want to rebuild what you're doing or that the, the players were bought into something else that wasn't the head coach. It wasn't his vision. Now, I personally, and I'm not going to make this about any specific players, I think that they were bought into the chance that having Jalen Smith and Anthony Cowan on the same court along with Wiggins and Ayella and all these other players, I think they were bought into the chance of winning a championship, a legit national championship. And once that was gone, they kind of look at it, they look at the outlook of the program, look at who's coming in, and you say, you know what, I did my duty to my fellow teammates that I came here to play with. It's time for me to move on, just like our, our leaders, Cowan and Smith. Now, the other side of it is, if you're Mark Turgeon, you're looking at this, and you can point out, you know, Aiello, Wiggins, Donta Scott, you know, all this talent for these guys to still play with, along with them taking on a bigger role, and you can't sell them on that after a Big Ten regular season championship season. That's just a, that's a poor look. I, I don't have anything else to add to that. I think you're right. I think a lot of that, what you said, is true there. And, yeah, I mean, I am a Maryland basketball fan first when you look at this and you look at the whole department, the whole school. That's always what I've been from day one. And day one for me is a long time. That's like when I was four years old. And this is heartbreaking for me. I think that this team, frankly, is going to struggle next season tremendously. Yeah, there's still good players on the team. There's Ayala Wiggins, Marcel, who's staying, thankfully. Um, Dante Scott. I think Sean Mariel is still a really exciting prospect if he can pull it together. But, I mean, after that, what are you looking at? Aquan Smart, Marcus, uh, Marcus Dockery, both three-star guards who I wouldn't expect in any other circumstance to have to play as much as they're probably going to have to play. I don't, I can't even, like, Galen Smith. Who, who else is even left? I'm being serious right now. Is there anybody else left? That yeah, Akeem Hart is left. I mean, you're looking at, and I, I already said this, and you kind of just really actually explained it. Um, they have nothing. They had the, every guy that they had that they knew what they were going to get out of left the program. So now you're left with the big old question mark, and Jarius Hamilton goes right in there with that. Who knows if Jarius Hamilton can play power forward, which is what he's going to have to play. Who knows if he can go in there in the Big Ten, and, and you might say the ACC is a better basketball conference. The well, Big not, Ten. Not last season, but I see your point. The Big Ten is the tougher conference, like physically tougher conference. A lot of players that go in there, and, and all they do is rebound, play defense, and hit people. They don't really score. You know, look at those guys that, like, Illinois had. Uh, what was that guy's name? Kofi Coburn? Yeah, that guy. Jarius Hamilton that's playing guard in the ACC where they call a bunch of fouls against a guy like that. I mean, that's just, that's unknown. I'm not saying that the guy is not a good basketball player. I'm just saying, is he cut for this conference? And is he even going to play this year? So there's your question. Uh, I think we can dis dis discuss this at length. Uh, maybe we'll have Don, our basketball expert, on to... Uh, Kind of give us the lowdown on what's going on there. But, yeah, let's get to Todd. And oh, there's one more thing I want to add before we get to Todd. And this really, for me, just wraps up the tragedy that ever, so many teams have gone through this season that it really sucks Mark Rogers got canceled. Because I really felt like, and I think everybody feels like this, we could have gotten somewhere this season. I really felt like we could have. And now we're rest with rebuilding. We're talking about somewhere in the second round, I agree. You know what I mean, though. Um... Yeah, there would have been hope, and, and hope would have been good to have. I don't really have much confidence that they would have won more than the first round because they haven't so long. And that's you, and that's you. But I, I felt like they could have. I really do. No, I, I'm not saying they could have. 
I'm just saying, like, I felt like they could have so many times, and they haven't, that it's really hard to buy into. If they play like a seven seed team that was good, I think they could have taken the L there. But, I mean, that's March Madness, and that, that's why you just don't know. And yeah, and you don't know, and you're never going to know, and that really sucks. That's all I'm really saying here. That we're not, that we we went through all this, and the Mason thing is true that you got sold on playing with him, and he counted Jalen Smith and competing for a championship, then the fact you didn't get to play for one is a heartbreaking. Is a heartbreaker for fans, especially for the players. Yeah, and it really sucks. And and with that, let's get to Todd and, and talk about really what's the state of Maryland athletics is, especially with the Notton Reds. We'll see you on the other side of the interview. And now we officially make this a Toddcast. Let's welcome in Todd Carton back to the Young Turps. It's been it's been quite a bit of time since we last spoke, Todd. It sure has, Mason. Well, at least in this venue, it's been a while. Yeah, and now I guess it's also been a while in person. This is probably the longest that I've gone without seeing you, Todd, because usually, you know, all the lacrosse games now, uh, every once in a while, you know, you make it out to a Final Four or something like that. I usually see you a lot uh, around this time of the year, but I guess circumstances change that. Yeah, they, they surely have. And and as I talk about with Bruce a lot of the time when we when we chat, I don't know what to do with myself half the days. Yeah, I mean, really, when I I was looking forward to to getting home from school and and having, you know, a good half, maybe a little bit more of a lacrosse season left to go out and cover and and kind of get things, I guess, back to what my version of normal was then. But you know, t- times have changed, and for all of us that were fans of of these spring sports teams, and and you who got out to a ton of games. Uh, it, it's been a, uh, it's been challenging sometimes to uh, find things to do. Yeah, it re- it really has. You know, I mean, I'm I'm on campus a, a lot. I, I go to baseball, softball, even a, occasional tennis, and obviously miss as few lacrosse games as possible. Uh, so to have all of that swept away, and then of course on the professional level too, which I don't follow as closely as I follow the Terps, but you know, there it's just. It's just a big hole. The Masters was gone. I mean, that was a killer. Yeah, and and those are also some some events. I know. I know Bruce loves all those golf tournaments. I know that I tune into most of the big ones, and then an occasional Sunday or two. Jordan, um, you, you're not the biggest golf fan out there, but yeah, let's get to talking about the Terps. Yeah, and I guess the first thing to think about when you think of the effect of the virus and on sports is where do you think some of our teams would have gone this season? Cause I know baseball, a lot of people were optimistic this season. Um, lacrosse, especially the men's side had a lot of optimism. Women's have a bit of a rocky start, but Todd, what, what do you think this spring season might look like for our non revs? Well, as you mentioned, we'll start, let me start with women's lacrosse because that was that, that, start to the season was such an oddity. Maryland came in three and three when, when the season canceled. And if memory serves, I think Kathy Reese, since she became coach has only had one season where she had more than three losses. Actually, I think it's only one season where she had more than two. She was like 16 and four or maybe two seasons, our first, her first two years, but that's it. And to see Maryland get three losses, so early in the season, although they looked a little bit like they were starting to come together, 
And, of course, you never count out a Maryland team that goes to 10 straight Final Fours. Um, on, on the men's side, you know, I mean, look, the Terps were off to a really solid start. They, they whipped up on a high-point team to open the season that probably wasn't as good as some of their preseason hype, and they, they struggled in some games, played some close ones. But, you know, again, uh, John Tillman seems to have that team in the Final Four or on the edge of the Final Four every year, and it didn't look like this year was going to be any different. Switching to uh, uh, baseball, baseball was off to a, a solid start, although they were, I think, a little struggling a little bit, trying to figure themselves out. And then, of course, softball with a first-year coach won 12 games, which is as many as the previous coach won in either of her first three seasons. So there was that. And But the biggest disappointment for me was actually women's basketball because although they got their regular season in and they got the Big Ten tournament in and they won that, this was going to be a number one seed and, and was probably playing about as well as anybody in the country. Yeah, women's basketball, I've heard a lot of people be disappointed in because, yeah, they were trending so well. And Kayla Charles had such a great season, Big Ten Player of the Year. And people were hoping, you know, they might get a Final Four berth, maybe even a championship out of this season. And that's also true in the men's side for basketball. We've talked at length about that. We don't need to revisit that. And something that caught my eye recently, and I'm sure you saw this as well, Todd, is on baseball, Maxwell Costas earns an All-American honor, which is just bizarre to me that you can give an All-American honor for, what, like 12 or 13 games in the season. Was it 15? It was 15 games in the season. But 15 games. Yeah, that, uh, but that's something to behold. Cause I, do you know the last time baseball had an All-American? Uh, not, off the, not off the top of my head. Um, Mike Schwarren, though, might have made, made uh, All-American a, a couple yeah, of years ago as a pitcher. Yeah, that's the name that, that no, came that's... to my mind. Yeah, that's that's the that's the first one that comes to my mind, and I think he he might have been a, been an All American, uh, but yeah, a 15 game. What that they did the same thing in lacrosse, and and I know IL did put out uh, All American lacrosse teams. How do you do that after what they both men's and women's played six games? Is that right? I and think? and I also, despite the fact that I kind of think it's it's a bit of a a. Well, I don't even know what what a good word for giving someone an All-American honor after six games is. I felt like the Terps were hosed by inside lacrosse, too. Um, you mean because you thought they should have had more All-Americans? Yeah, I think, like, Jared Bernhardt was honorable mention. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and, and he got a lot of attention. I, I actually thought that, you know... Uh, Logan Wisnoskis was probably the best player on the field for Maryland pretty much all around for the first six games of the year. Um, but, you know, uh, Bernhardt's the kind of player who I think would, was coming on again, would have come on later in the season. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, okay, so I just happened to – just looked it up to give you, give you this. Um, Maryland – has uh, had an All-American or freshman All-American in each of the last seven seasons in baseball. Wow, I did uh, not Nick know that. Nick Dunn, 
Yeah, Nick Dunn in 2018 and was a freshman All-American. Tyler Blome in 2017 was a freshman All-American. Brian Schaefer, uh, Maxwell's brother, Marty Costas, was a freshman All-American. Kevin Martyr, Kevin Smith, Mike Schwarren, uh, two years in a row, and Brandon Lau. Oh, so there's your baseball trivia for the day. I think most of us learned something today. Um, I had another... Oh, yeah, my next question, Todd, is what do you make, because Mason and I have debated this at length, both on the show and certainly off the show, what do you make of the um, waiver to allow spring athletes to come back for another season of eligibility? Because it has a lot of logistical problems, Mason and I have discussed, but it also feels like the right thing to do, and I think there's a pretty fine line there of is it going to cause more problems than it helps. You know... It, it is a it really is Jordan a very very fine line because the the question is is it is that is this a, a one year thing does everybody on the roster get the extra year does, then then you're pushing things out for four five six seven years that and and are, are you are they going to change the scholarship allotments because a, a sport like lacrosse. You know, he's got 12, I don't know if it's 12, 12 12.9 scholarship equivalents to deal out for his entire roster of 35 to 40 players. And and if you're going to let guys stay on for years and years, uh, you know, if the guy who's a fresh, who had his freshman year this year still has four years of eligibility, it changes the planning and the recruiting unless the NCAA is going to make a change there, and then where are you going to get the money? Because that, that of course, now with certainly with football questionable at best, and even if the, even if they play, my guess is that the revenues will be down substantially. You know that that then also has an impact going forward. So it's it's a very complicated situation. It it feels like the right thing to do, um, but. Do you, again, do you do it only for the seniors, and and then everybody else loses a season? Um, you know, it's a it's a tough question. Yeah, it really is, and there's no clear solution to it either. And that kind of ties into our next point, and maybe like the biggest reason you're on here today, Todd, because it's a hard thing to answer. With football being, you know, let's just say, let's say for the sake of argument, we play a full season with no fans, because that seems like a pretty likely scenario at this point as far as we know you know everything changes every day at this point um that would still lead to you know substantial astronomical revenue drops like i've heard projections that some programs or at sorry departments might lose around like 20 to 40 million dollars off no ticket revenue how does that affect non-revs and that's obviously a hard question to answer because we don't really know but you know non-revs better than anyone else that we know todd so what do you think this will do to the non-rev environment at maryland well, you know, I, I, what it will do at Maryland is, I think, a little, even a little harder to predict. I mean, we've seen some schools. You've seen Cincinnati has dropped soccer. Akron announced that they were dropping three sports. Uh, uh, and I forget, I, there was a, a school, I think, in Alabama that had a D1 hockey team oh, yeah. that um, I read Alabama about. Huntsville is suspending their hockey season for next year is actually what came of that. No, I, I I actually read that they they got some donors who put up a half a million dollars or more to to keep their hockey team as D one, and and that might be something that Maryland's going to need to look at to try to 
raise money from outside sources to support some of these sports. You know, Maryland, you, you have to have 14 sports to be a D1, to have a D1 program, right? It's either got to be seven men and seven women, or it can be eight women and six men sports. So Maryland's got technically, I think, 18, 17 or 18. So there's not a lot of room to cut at Maryland if you're looking to just save expenses. And, and you know, and, and those are, are Mar- some of Maryland's best sports, men's lacrosse, women's lacrosse, soccer, field hockey. You know, these are, these are our championship sports typically. And so, so you certainly don't want to – cut those sports and you know with the big 10 you're not going to be able to cut wrestling or volleyball um the track and field was on the chopping block in the waning days of kevin anderson and wallace lowe's uh first move and and they got private funds to save that sport back in the day and and so who knows where that's going so you know, I mean, there's there's not a lot of fat to cut at Maryland, and frankly, even in terms of the overall budget, it's not like we have a football coach who's making $10 million a year, where you might see at an Alabama or a Clemson or some of these other places, you know, our, our there's just not a lot of fat there, I don't think, at Maryland. No, and, and what's been done over these past, you know, ever since the 27 sports kind of one team move, we we've had to see a lot of cuts, a lot of, a lot of as you called it, cutting the fat off of off of the department and off of the programs. Now, on the private funding thing, I think we've seen this, you know, a lot of times. You talked about the track and field, uh, private funding coming in. There was the whole save the UMD golf course movement that brought a lot of private funding in to save save that aspect of this. Y- you kind of go into the state of Maryland athletics and you see that time and time again for some of these programs, they've already had to go to those donors, those big name donors that, that support those programs closely and, and do this before. So I don't even know what the leash is, you know, what the room is for these programs to be saved yet again. And just to add to that, one of the things that needs to be considered, because a lot of people say you could cut some sports that like tennis or track and field. One thing you got to consider is you're trying to save it to save money. It's and I I've looked for this a lot. And I can't find anything online. It's hard to know exactly how much money some of these sports are losing. But like tennis, you would assume you're not losing as much as you might want to save because it's not a very complicated sport to run compared to like football or lacrosse that require a lot of equipment and staff. So that's something else you need to consider when you're looking at what sports might have to go. Well. Uh, I, I know I, I talked on uh, either the Sports Maven or Turf Talk, probably Sports Maven, with Bruce uh, a number of weeks ago, and the Diamondback ran a story that sort of broke down some of the revenue. And, and obviously, uh, or maybe to the surprise of some, by far the biggest revenue drain on Maryland sports is women's basketball. Yeah, I think uh, that, um... had, that had. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. About a four million. No, that had about a four million dollar loss in the most recent year that they filed the report with uh, the Department of Education. 
you know, and, and when women's basketball doesn't make a very deep run, which they haven't done for a couple of years into the NCAA tournament, there it's going to be a big money loser because that staff is fairly highly compensated. Yeah, I think Coaching Mason staff, and I... It's a big staff. Yeah, I think Mason and I learned that, that when you're doing the research, I remember this now. Um, and obviously you can't cut women's basketball. That's just not going to happen. Um Right. So again, it goes back to the same question: is if you need to save a couple million bucks, how are you going to do it? Well, that's the women's basketball thing, and this Diamondback article probably made it more official than it was before. Inside Maryland Sports had run an article a while back saying that. All right. And that well, was back. Right, you know, because... there was. Well, just saying, there was a lot of the same kind of conversation when everyone thought they were going to have to pay out, which is still looming, pay out the Jordan McNair case. You know, settle on that. You know, they were talking about the same thing, cutting money to have money to be able to pay pay that family, which is still there. You know, that that's still unsettled to the best of my knowledge. Well, to the best of my knowledge, too, but it, it certainly is, is quieter, and whatever's going on is going on very hush-hush and behind the scenes is if there's any movement on that at all. And again, women, women's basketball, about half of their expenses is, is the coaching staff. So, you know, I mean, but you're not going to cut women's basketball. Again, you've got a national championship in the sport. Uh, Brenda's recruiting like crazy. And, and it's, it's one of your most high, high profile and successful sports. So, there's there's a lot there. There even if you cut a couple of sports, it's not going to make up for the losses of football and the loss of the the revenue from the NCAA basketball tournament, which is another big chunk of money that comes directly from the NCAA to the schools. Yeah, that's something I've seen a and, lot, especially in the smaller schools like North Carolina State, my school, mid majors. Is that's like a huge chunk of the budget that's just gone overnight. That some schools aren't prepared to take. Right. And, and, you know, they're, they're probably facing bigger choices than uh, at tougher choices than Maryland because those things, you know, and, and you, I think it was, I think it was you uh, Mason that, that sort of speculated about playing an entire football season without fans. Although I'm hearing some things that are saying that they'll limit it to just season ticket holders, which, at Maryland won't be a big problem to socially distance with, uh, from what I hear, somewhere between just 11,000 and 15,000 season ticket holders. Um, but but even, even once you add, with that revenue loss, you know, you're not able to support, I lost the train of my thought here, it derailed myself, which happens when you get to my age. Um, but, but, you you lose a quarter of the revenue from the NCAA tournament, and then you throw this on top of it. And Maryland has this odd situation where athletics basically can't go to the state. And, of course, the whole pandemic has cut into state revenues, and, you know, that, that becomes another issue to deal with. So there there are so many threads to pull on with this. You know, it's like it's like walking into a spider web almost. It is because unlike when a school or an athletic department finds itself in trouble, everybody is in trouble now. You know, you just talked about it, the state, the tax, the taxes, all this stuff. 
has taken a huge hit, even a company or, or a CEO, or you think, you know, uh, Kevin Plank that would come in and save Maryland. All these people, all their businesses, all, all the funds available, if you look at it from that perspective, everybody has taken a huge hit. So when you look at the kind of savior who will step up of Maryland, if we get to that point, it's somewhat, it's somewhat out in the open. Who is going to be that person? Like it's just unknown. It, it, it is. It's 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 like uh, it's like trying to swing and, and break open a piñata almost, right? You know where where where's all the candy going to come from? And and it's a it's a pretty hollow piñata hanging there right now, as as you rightly point out. All right, Todd, um, I don't think we have anything else for you. Do you have any parting thoughts for the Young Terps audience today? Uh, just hoping that uh, we'll get some some measure of, of normalcy. Um, looking forward, hopefully, to a, to a fall season, um, but just not expecting a, a lot. And, you know, we can just move on and, and hope that uh, that the athletic department is doing some good planning and we'll be able to keep Maryland sports on track. And hopefully we will. Todd, I thank you for coming on. If you want to shout out your Twitter, you can go ahead and do that. But if not, hopefully we will uh, uh, talk to you soon. No, that's that's okay. I appreciate the chance, Mason. I I, I my tagline is that I'm slowly losing Twitter followers, uh, sort of like uh, photons going through a slit and <laughs> dropping <laughs> off one by one. All right, Todd. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. I appreciate the chance to talk to you guys. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to get together sometime later this summer before the the world ends. The world ends again, and yeah, I hope to see you soon, and, and stay safe out there. Thanks a lot. And that was Todd Carton. Uh, I'd like to thank Todd again for coming on, taking his time to join us here on a Sunday. Jordan, so, some interesting topics there from Todd, but something that will certainly have to kind of keep in the back of our minds as Maryland fans is we don't really know. Uh, what's gonna what these next few months will hold, especially if football is put into question? Yeah, and that is the question everybody's facing right now. And I know there's a lot of uncertainty at these times, and this is nothing, nothing out of the ordinary for that. Um, it's gonna be hard to say what the windfall of this is. Eventually, we might see some long-term damage for yep. a lot of athletic departments, but yep, we're blessed to be the Big Ten. Yeah, we, we really are, are. And, and to have a conference that's so financially strong and really supports its members more so than our former conference. That is true, and as much as I and as much as a lot of people are ACC fans still, this is a blessing that we're in this conference, and yes, it is financially strong, and we'll get through it. Maybe we'll have to lose a sport or two, and that really is unfortunate for those sports and the fans of those sports, but... I don't I don't think so. I think the Big Ten will do, do a program or something like that, but that's kind of in the future. The one thing that I will mention that I think Todd uh, got wrong by just a few thousand fans is... The football season ticket holders for Maryland is not eleven to fifteen thousand. I believe it's fifteen to eighteen thousand, and then I think what you're looking at is let's say they end up with sixteen thousand fans. Some people that that want to have access to these tickets go ahead and buy buy season tickets because they'll usually go out to a game or two. But they'll just say since they can't buy single games uh, that they they buy season tickets, 
And then I think you're going to have about 3,000 students. So I think you're going to be somewhere between 18 to 20,000 fans on a given Saturday. And, yeah, it will be what it, but what it is. But who knows? All right, there's one thing i got to find out before we hand off here. Because I think I read something in the news the other day. I believe, yeah, Maryland will have some in-person classes at least yes. in the fall. Yeah, they will. And I think that's important to mention. So there you go. No, no football will be taken away because these kids can't be on campus. And that's 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 better than we, news that we've gotten in a long time, honestly. Yes, it is. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors of the podcast, Viner Four Gates in Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates is the place to go. You can reach them at three zero one two five one twenty nine hundred or on the web at the number one Viner dot com and Allied Party Rentals for all of your post coronavirus party needs. Allied has got you covered. All the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you need. Visit AlliedPartyRentals.com. And as always, thanks for listening.